was a rapper. My jersey up too high in the rafters. I got a frog team, new knife and a tractor. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Moonlighters Club. Thank you all for joining, and I want to say hello to our guests today, Mike and Megan. Where are you both based? We are out of Boise, Idaho. I just, I interviewed someone from a company called Karuna Kava, based in, based in Idaho. Yeah. An, an individual by the name of Ben, and yep. actually interviewed him. Yeah, that was an awesome, it was a great interview. So thank you both for, for joining the show. We, we know that guy. We yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a fellow market vendor. So yeah. we, he's got good energy. He does. He really does. So yeah, and uh, wow, a small world. And uh, thank you. So I would love for you, because again, everyone's story is different. So I, I do want to spend more time really focusing on your business. I know you do it full time. So what is the name of your business and what is it? TreeWorks is the name of the business. And we make wooden cooking utensils, mostly spoons, forks, eating sets, you know, that you would, that you would eat with, some cutting boards, some hair, accessories. And we get all the wood from our tree trimming business, so it's all local Boise wood, and we know where each piece came from. Yep. Besides the wooden spoon business, Mike is an arborist, so that's how we get a hold of all that wood. And so the main part is... The spoon business sort of branched or oozed over. It used to be the tree trimming business was the main part, but now it is the spoons. And we both work on that. We've had this for 26 years, been doing both this. And so we mill all the wood also and and dry it here at our house. So it's all whole things done right here in, in town. Well, 26 years, congratulations. That's, yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a dream of mine. Yeah. yeah, if I could, do, I'd be happy to do this for twenty six years. Did you ever in your life think that you'd be just for work doing something like this for yourself, as opposed to working somewhere? That, did you ever have in your any part of your mind think I'd just be running? I can run my own business someday in my life. I don't think I ever planned on having a wood woodworking business. No, but Mike's always been a self-starter or Mike's always been the kind of guy who doesn't need to follow the rules anyone else sets for him if he thinks the rules are stupid. (laughs) 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 He's not going to waste his time on something like that. I'm always very much a rule follower myself. So definitely for me, it was a change to join Mike and be self-employed. But I don't think it's too big a stretch for Mike to have started his own business. But yeah, to be doing a spoon making business, that's something I don't think either one of us as young yeah, folks thought that we would thought. do. It's, it's interesting. A lot of the people that I interview, I'm not sure the percentage, but when I talk about things like school, there is a there's a consistent like boredom. There's a consistent, you know, some are fine, great students, but there is a, a good amount are like, nah, this wasn't into it or I didn't really do my work. But they always had all these other things going on and they were, just, but the big thing was questioning the why of why are we here? Like, why am I, why do I have to do this specific assignment? Why do I have to do this work like this? Why do I, it was always questioning things, which is a common theme, just inquisitiveness. So I, you do see that common thread quite often. Yeah, so, you're right. I think Mike's definitely yeah. that way. And I'm not, but Mike is. So it makes sense that we start. <laughs> My question was why, why do I have to be here at this time of day? 
and stay until this time of day. Or if you're not feeling well, why do you have to show up? It was just the bureaucracy of it drove me to find my own way. Prior to starting this, did you have a defined career path in something in another industry that did you were you already like was the, the arbor side already exist prior to this and you were focusing on that or was there something else that you were doing from nine to five but that took the majority of your your work time? Uh, work it life? was I already had the arborist. I was already an arborist. I've been climbing climbing trees for thirty five years now. Yeah, when Mike started the business, he was an arborist with the city of Boise, so he had that full time job. And then he started slowly working and doing the spoons, but he was still an arborist for full time. Which I'm not now. Can you explain what an arborist actually does? You had a tree in your yard that you needed worked on in any way, say a, a limb's break, you know, a limb broke, or it's hanging over your house, or you want it removed, either one. It's all kinds of facets of tree work, basically. And a lot of it has to do with, with climbing. So I, I have to, you know, it's in backyards or it's in a hard to reach spot. You can't bring bucket trucks and that sort of thing into most people's yards, probably. So I was always climbing trees. Yeah, I'm fairly risk adverse when it comes to heights. It's it's yeah, it's one of my biggest fears, if not the biggest fear. I can't be up. So I I I, I envy. I envy. Yeah, I don't I don't <laughs> I don't understand people who can. I envy the. The being able to do those things. It's, it's um, an intense job. It's been, you gotta, it's not for everybody, I always say. And people ask me, how, how did you learn how to do this? And you basically have to just keep doing it and live and not get hurt and not die and not kill anybody else in the process. <laughs> and over time, you learn how to do it. Uh, Megan, you said that when he was, he was doing some spoon work while, while you were working. Where was that just a hobby? Yeah, it started out to be a hobby. It's it was it was all the wood that we were throwing away. I was like, something should be done with this. Somebody should do something with all this wood. And I tried to make a few pieces of furniture, and that was just too much storage and too much. Just it just didn't work out because it was trying to make like rustic furniture was. Way too involved with space. Yeah. Where to put everything and it all goes bad. So I was making some jam actually, and I needed something to stir it with because if you make jam, you have to stir it boiling for 10 minutes. And I didn't have any tool that I could stir this hot liquid for 10 minutes. So I chopped out a utensil you know really rustic utensil and you just used a hatchet that first i did time, right? just use a hatchet and i'm gonna i'm gonna make a few more of these these are kind of cool and i just started making them and i got better and better at it you know after 10 or 15 of them and and somebody would say oh I, I want one of those I'd be like hmm okay i could make i guess i could make you one but if you want to you know Maybe the next person, I'd be like, well, you're going to have to you're gonna have to pay for this one. <laughs> the next one. <laughs> and uh, I just started making them. I thought, well, maybe I could just make these. And I started making them and continuing to do the tree work also this whole time. And it was probably a, a two-year transition 
from when I started making spoons to leaving a full-time job and just doing, doing the spoons all the time. When Mike was making the spoons, he was selling them on the weekends at a farmer's market, our Boise downtown farmer's market. So he had an outlet there, but that was a yeah. weekend gig while he was working full-time no. during the week. Was that difficult at all? Or were you like, hey, no. Let's go out here and see if we can sell some. You know, I think the first day I went, I was like, I, I don't know if this is going to work or not, but I'm going to give it a try. And it happened to be that our our market was just getting started in, in this town. So they were accepting of someone who was the first time out, you know? Yeah. And so... The first day I went, I sold all the ones I had. And then I was like, okay, now I can, now I'm going to get serious and maybe buy a, start buying tools and, and start really seeing if I can do this. But our farmer's market, I don't know how I would have done this without that. It's, it's what, it's where I sold my product. To where I continue to sell it today. And uh, if it wasn't for that, it would have been a hard business to, to market, I would say. And I think people were pretty accepting of the product too, which is kind of what you started to ask about, Joel. The fact that like when I look back at the spoons Mike was making 25 years ago, those first ones that he sold, they are very rustic compared to what we make now. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that people were actually just excited to have a wooden spoon, a wooden product, something that was handmade. And it didn't even matter that, you know, they're a lot <clears throat> less refined back then than they are now. People just loved handmade and they loved local wood and they were very accepting yeah. of that. Nice. So Megan, where does the collaboration come in? I, I was a zookeeper for about a decade <laughs> beforehand. So that's what I was busy doing. And then when we, I, I started helping every once in a while do some of the very last steps of the spoon, things I couldn't screw up too much. But for the most part, I had my own thing and Mike had his own thing. And I think the things I started to do to help you, that was the time when we started making like the website. So I was still doing, you know, working full time, but I would help with websites and things like that. But it was Mike's business. And so when we had a kid and I was ready to start trying to stay home with the kid, that's when we're like, okay, you know, we got to do something. And I started staying and, and helping do the spoon work then. And that was a pretty scary thing for both of yeah, us and an interesting thing yeah. for the marriage because to have Mike, who's, you know, the pro and has been doing this for 10 to 15 years. And then I join in and now my spoons look like his look 25 years ago. And so mm. that's where it was an interesting thing for yeah. me now to look at how I started and how he started. And so you immediately come up to a certain standard of workmanship. Right. And that was a hard, that was a long, a little bit of a learning curve right there. Yeah, it definitely was. It was good. How do you find out how to fit each other into the process? Because it's, people do it so many different ways. You could say one person makes, one person doesn't make, one person market. Like how did that, how, yeah, how'd you figure that, like your shared process once, Well, Megan, you knew you were gonna help? Yeah, I, I thought it, in order for her to come on, I would show her 
the basic steps first. You know, you need to be able to do this before you can. We work backwards, next basically. Thing. Right. I started on. It's a 19-step process to make each spoon, and I kind of started on the 19th step because that's the one that is the kindest, the yeah. least likely to screw up the spoon. That's the final <laughs> sanding. So you know, we started backwards. We did, we did go back, work from backwards, pretty yeah. much. So yeah. But I think a huge, and I don't know if you agree, a big reason why we have different of those 19 steps. Basically, Mike takes care of certain ones of those steps, and I take care of mm -hmm. the other ones. And I think that Mike chose to teach me the ones he taught me because his elbow was hurting and he couldn't do that particular step very effectively anymore. So it was my turn to take that one over. So, now your elbow hurts. And now my elbow hurts. <laughs> So yeah, it was kind of a matter of what Mike was ready to give up and how he could, how he could more effectively teach me. And there was a lot of spoons that I ruined and, but a lot of things that, that he could teach me on that it was okay. Like spoon rests were a big thing I started learning to do first because they're just a little bit more clunky. Mm, yeah. They're whatever. easier to make. It's, yeah. So. If you mess it up, it's not a big deal. And and yeah. then you can move back and work on other things from there. We each have our own steps, though, now. I mean, right. she has her part of it that she does, and I have my part that I do. And, you know, after whatever, 10 years of doing this mm -hmm. together. Yeah, we figured we out what's best. And there are certain products that only Mike makes and certain products that only I make. It's ours, ours and ours alone sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I like the fact that you have this process with specific steps. That's how you can train. So I, I think that's super neat. How big are these batches? And then how was it like one at a time? Or are they batches? And then how long does it take to create? Well, we're professionals. So we could probably make a spoon start to finish in like 20 minutes or so. Yes. Ah. Something like these that you can kind of see behind me here. Yeah, yeah. To make a, a spoon, it usually, it, I mean, it takes over a year because the wood has to dry for a year every for every inch thick it is. Right. So we've had to cut the tree and we've had to mill it and we've had to have the planks drying and you have to know when it's ready to be used or when it, you know, the wood might crack if you try to use it too soon. So technically it takes over a year to make a spoon. But once we get the process going, we do them in batches. So... You know, Michael do step three on 50 spoons and then hand them over to me and I do step four on the 50 spoons and we go back and forth like that. But yeah, it's generally done in batches. And the, the wood is, we're also two to five years ahead on wood. Mm. So I've already got the wood milled and I sometimes don't use it for five years, sometimes 10 years. Like, oh, this lot, I, I remember doing this tree 10 years ago. And now it's it's finally ready. So it, it it dries differently depending on what kind of wood it is and and how you stack it and where it's sitting. It's, you gotta plan. You gotta yeah. be ahead. You gotta be ahead a couple of years on the wood. I like to smoke. I love to grill, and I've been using wood a lot more. I was even aware that, and I know there's a process of wood just being ready to do things with, but I didn't know it was it was that long. So it's interesting that you just have to have that clock running to know when things are going to be ready to make products. Yeah, because you know we don't we don't have a kiln, so we can't kiln dry wood, which some places do. And if you buy wood from a store or something, it's probably been kiln dried. 
But for us, yeah, it's just piles of wood in the backyard that get moved around. And yeah, you really have to plan in advance and and make sure the wood's ready. We've never bought wood. I've never bought any wood in 20, 26 years of making all this stuff. And if we made, I don't know, I would say we've made 75,000 spoons. Wow. Somewhere around there. At the height of a farmer's market, we probably sell 50 to 80 spoons and spatulas in a week. So times that over, you know, nine months and then 25 years. Yeah, yeah. that's quite a few. What was the decision to do it full time? Were you just done being an arborist at that time? What spurred the decision to say, let's just do this? I really didn't want to continue having to show up at a job at a certain time and and be there. I mean, when we did tree work, we we sometimes we'd go back to the station or whatever you'd call it, the place where we all meet and all the trucks were. And then, no, you can't go home yet because you have to still stay here another hour and find something to do. It's a run out of the clock situation. Yeah, it was a run out of the clock situation. (laughs) And I thought, what a waste of my time and money for the city and, and just the bureaucracy of it. And they'd be like, well, just just enjoy it. You know, you don't have to do anything. Just don't work too hard. Don't don't do anything. And I'd be like, I don't I don't like that. I'm more of a salmon, not a goldfish in a bowl. <laughs> so I. Uh, so again, for Mike, it's, if it's a stupid rule, yeah. he's, he's yeah. going to find his way. Or, you know, if your child was sick and you uh, he had to stay home from school, suddenly you were faced with this dilemma. Well, I, I'm supposed to be at work and I only have one day or maybe you don't have any sick days left or whatever it may be. And I just thought, well, they can certainly do this job today without me, but I have to be there. It's just... And I didn't like having to be there. So I was like, I'm going to do my own, set my own rules on my time. So with you, I think it was basically you, you were doing the weekend public market for a couple of years. It was going okay. And then I think you felt confident, comfortable. I did. And again, when Mike quit, he didn't quit to do spoons full time. He quit more to be an arborist on his own full time. So he oh. went from from being an arborist with the city to being having his own business that is true. as as an arborist. And again, being an arborist was the main part of his job for a good 10, 15 years. It was years. about five years, I guess. I think it was when I met you, you were still mostly an arborist. And then the spoons were kind of on the side. Right, but I always thought, well, if you could join me, then we could make more spoons and get into different shows. You know how they have show art shows through in different places, but I was never able to to have the inventory to do that sort of thing until I got help. And I think a big part of it too to think about as we switched more and more over into making the spoons as opposed to Mike being an arborist, that also had to do with age, just because, you know, being an arborist is, it's tough. It's very physical work. And so it was, you know, Mike wanted to be able to do that on the side instead of that being the full-time position because 
yeah, it, it's hard on the body. It starts to hurt. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that was the slow creep for Mike. Yeah. And for me to just switch from being a zookeeper to being an arborist, it really was about having a kid and uh, wanting to be home with the kid more as much as I love zookeeping. Yeah. I wanted yeah, be able to be home and our person who had been taking care of our kid was going to leave and move. And we're like, okay, well, now's the time for us to do something do it about together. It. Yeah. But then there's this decision of you're married and we live together and now we're going to work together. It was funny. That too. took a lot of. It's true because Mike kept trying to talk me into leaving my job and I'm a scared little rabbit. And I was like, no, no, no. I, I don't feel safe. You know, are we sure that your your business could support us? And I didn't want to leave for the longest time. And then when we got my butt kicked into gear because we were going to lose our, our child care. And I was like, okay, I'm ready. I think I'll quit in a month or two. And Mike was like, wait a minute. Did it take a while for things to for to feel comfortable about the day to day and you know everything? Like how yeah, because I would assume there's a little bit of apprehension and, you know, okay, this is it. This is what we're doing. Or, yeah, so when you, how how long, was there a process? Was there a process for you to? Yeah, I think it just kind of came naturally as as I got older and was like, well, I don't feel like climbing that tree over there today. So I'm just going to focus on 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 doing, you know, keeping my feet on the ground and doing woodwork instead because it was easier on my body. Yeah, and I think that by the time we focused to just pretty much just being spoon makers, by that time, you know, we've been at the market for, at the farmer's, or the Saturday market for a good 15, 20 years. And, Mm. you know, people know us and well established yeah so i think it you know it was a slow ooze into it but by the time we did we're ready to do it full time we were established is it just the weekend market do you do a variety of markets we do a few shows art shows throughout the state but idaho is a big state and it's way spread out it's 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 it can be hundreds of miles to the to the show, you know, it's, um, so we don't, we don't travel too far, but maybe stay within a 200 mile circle. Yeah. In the Northwest, but the majority of our bread and butter comes from the capital city public market, which is just a Saturday market, four hours on a Saturday. And every week down here in Boise, that's where that happens. COVID permitting. And and that's where we get the majority of our income from. And then just maybe four to six extra shows a year out of town or just weekend long shows. And then, of course, we have our website. We don't get a ton of of income from that. But yeah, mostly it's that four hours on a Saturday at downtown Boise where we get most of our spoon sales. Do you have specific goals in mind or, or numbers in mind when, while you're doing this? Like, hey, it's October. We got to do this amount or, hey, this 2022. Well, I mean, I'm sure there's the, you know, the basic finance of, hey, we have to pay for whatever. So, you know, this needs to come in. But in terms of just how to rate, how how good things are going, do you have other things in mind? Yeah, I mean, we do we do kind of count how many spoons we sold during that 
day, that week, you know, if it's July, we should definitely be selling, you know, 50 to 80 spoons. If it's October, you know, we're lucky if we sell 30. And so we'll kind of judge our success based on, on that. Boise has really boomed in the last year. And so we, even though we haven't been able to be in our normal spot with the capital city public market, and we had to move elsewhere and there aren't as many sales in that spot, but still, because Boise has boomed in its population, we still have been able to make a lot more sales than we were expecting. So it's a little <laughs> hard for us to figure out if we're actually being successful right now or if it's just a fluke. But yeah, I think we we kind of do it based on how many we've sold and the time of the month. But our big goals aren't hugely financial. We've been able to pay off our house. We're completely debt-free. And so when we are selling our spoons, we're just trying to get enough to pay the day-to-day bills and put some money into savings. And we definitely, we kind of use the money from shows, any extra shows. That's our seed money to get us through winter because the capital city public market shuts down from, you know, January through March and we have no income basically. So we need to plan ahead for that. But yeah, we don't have huge financial goals other than, you know, a little bit of savings and living day to day. Okay. But yeah, the, the, the reason why we do this isn't so much financial as other reasons. So that's not how we judge our success. How do you organize the time you spend? Is this, it's, it's, and this is going back to Mike talking about going at a specific time, showing up at a specific place. How do you lay out your workday? Is it pretty much whenever do you have set schedules? Or are you more fluid now that, especially in, we're, yeah, are you fluid? We're pretty fluid, I would say. We try to try to work most, most days of the week, I would say, uh, you know, Monday through Friday. We try to do, be out there by 10 o'clock and be done by 2 o'clock. Yeah, we something like that. We kind of work school hours. Yeah. When our kid gets home from school, we're pretty much done in the shop. We might have things that we do indoors or online or with social media or tracing out spoons, but we're done in the shop usually by that. Yeah, we can do about four hours out there. And so that can be done anytime between either of us, anytime during the day. Like if I don't want to do, I don't want to work right now because I want to do something else, I'll just do it later. Yeah. So works out that way. Yeah. The only thing that we have to be at a place at a time is the Saturday market. You know, we got to be on it for four hours on a Saturday. But other than that, we can be flexible with our schedule. Where I was at mentally when I started this podcast, it started like four years ago, was uh, go big. So it's, I'm in Boston. We're all trying to make apps. My co founder, Sean, but my friend Sean was tr- trying to act, you know, so it's all about the he's acting now, excuse me, he was doing stand up comedy and acting. And it was always about the, the big thing at the end. But mm. now here I am, four years later, ugh, almost five years later, my, my way of thinking has changed. It, all these all goals don't have to be the same. It doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's you how you define your standards, it. Joel. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's and it's and the why didn't make sense. It's just like, I don't I, you just a lot of it is just kind of ego driven stuff. Ooh, and then it is. I, th- yeah. And then I thought I needed, like, you think, I thought you just think you need to make a ton of money. And 
my career has progressed in a way that I got to a certain point. I'm like, actually, I think I'm fine here. I have enough to grill, smoke on the, you know, I can do my grilling. I don't really need a lot more. I can afford the food that I buy and eat. I'll travel occasionally. I don't, and I frustrate yeah. my wife because I, it's just like, I don't. So hearing this and being able to form, basically create a day that's not full of a commute that you don't want to do and full of, you know, interpersonal stressors where you're doing something that you'd like to do and, and, and you're doing it the way you want to do it. I, I feel like that's what everyone who's been on this podcast is really just striving for. It's just, it's finding that balance. And I, I, I it sounds like you both have something like that. So, and yeah, I think do, that's great. We do. we do. It's, we've had many offers to go bigger, you know, we could put them in the store. You can come to our, put, put your spoons in our store and everything that we, that we just have to work more. Yeah, every time somebody asks us to to go big, we're like, "Well, do we want to work that much harder?" Mm, probably not. So we just don't. Yeah, and I think that there's again talking about changing your standards because you know, to us apparently, according to the government, we're dirt poor, but we don't feel like it. You know, we're completely comfortable. We're very happy. We're not stressed out all the time. We have time to do things we want to do and time to spend with, you know, kids instead of always being gone. And so to us, it's a much better life than what society might expect of you on a normal day in a normal life. Yeah, I'm not hearing a lot of stress. It looks like you're both well rested, too, which is kind of my goal. Whatever I'm doing, I don't I'm not a big fan of the hustle culture that's being pushed. You know, you stay up. Yeah. Yeah. Ridiculous. And, you know, of course we have, I mean, we had just finished basically the last few months have been a push to get enough product to have things for holidays. You know, we definitely have to use our time wisely depending on the time of year, but we just within the last two weeks, I think have reached the point where we're like, okay, we've got the holiday orders done. You know, we're, the market's about to shut down for a few months and we can just relax. So if you had talked to us a couple of weeks ago, there may be more stress in our voices. But now we're just like, let's, you know, we're going to take it easy. Mike's making chicken soup right now. You know? and our, our shop is outside. It's got three walls and one, the whole front of it is open. So it's like a lean-to kind of deal. And yeah. in the wintertime, it's just too cold. It's just machines don't want to run. So we just stop, basically. And... We Which could, is an excellent excuse. Yeah, we could probably it. put it put another <laughs> wall up and be inside, but uh, it wouldn't be as open and nice. What's the point? You know, we're just out there working in January, and what what's the point? There, yeah, there's no point. We have a little something called No Nag January, Joel, where after we've finished with all of our holiday orders, neither one of us is allowed to nag the other one in January, so we get to do whatever <laughs> we want in January. And just take the month yeah. to really de-stress, and it's super, super helpful. That's, I spend that's, those months sitting on the couch, staring at the TV. This is a really refreshing, and this is definitely something that I'm glad I got to talk through. I feel like, like I have a lot of close friends, or for example, one of my good friends, Stephen Hopkins, a young, early twenties, just finished. Uh, we went to school together. He just finished architectural school, and he does his own clothing lines. And he's he is he's traveled a lot done a lot of things, great clothing line. 
And when we had met each other a couple of years ago, I think it was 2019, he was, oh, I just finished my paper, slept for a couple of hours, went back to the office, had some coffee. And it was definitely both of us just in that that point. And I think we're both still in the I, the phase of figuring out what where we're trying to go with what we're trying to do. And it could be anything. It doesn't have to just be the one thing. So I feel like people should hear this and realize, look, there are a variety of ways for you to get what you want out of the day and to, to be able to support yourself and be happy. Because I feel like the lifestyle that, you know, that that's advertised, is that, that's what you should have is very fast paced, very, it's just full of so many things that you may not need. Because when you get there and you do all of those things, and you, you get that prize at the end, it may not feel like you like it does in the movies or how you thought it would feel. So I'm, I'm glad you have yeah, we, this. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've kind of talked about that before too, where it's like, you know, we may not be able to retire as millionaires. In fact, we may not even really ever be able to retire, but you know, meanwhile, living every single day, we're not stressed. We're not upset. We're not hating life. And so is it better to, you know, live the way we do and possibly just always have to work until you die? Or is it better to, you know, do the hustle and get all the money and get all the stock options, but not be happy the whole time? Yeah. Yeah. And you never know if you're ever going to be able to enjoy it. Like if you, yeah, I understand living for the future, but you, you never know. You never know if I'm just going to run myself to the ground and then at 60, I'll have fun. I have no idea what I'm going to feel like at 60, especially if I'm running myself into the ground. Probably not going to have as much fun enjoying it. And I think we, 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 I mean, the time is precious and you, and you realize that there are ways to enjoy the present, you know, and still prep for the future. So, no, I, I, yeah, I, I that's think it's a valid point. You don't completely neglect the future. No. Yeah. But like, you know, Mike's big into motorcycling and we have our electric bikes and, you know, Mike will take off and take a... Gotta go dirt biking while it's good. The sun's out. Can't work all the time. Yeah, we're not waiting until we're 60 to to have to have a good life, to, to enjoy ourselves, even if it's not like we're not having a good life by living it up on a yacht right now. But the things, the little things that make us happy or we give ourselves time to do because we can, because we're self-employed and we can set our own schedule. Yeah. I, I will yeah. take, I will honestly take not answering an email at nine o'clock over yacht time any day. So I don't, if I can have a life where I'm not checking work when the sun is down over yacht, I don't need the yacht. Just give me the other. <laughs> give me the other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, well I, I really appreciate this conversation this is really refreshing yeah inspiring uh, if there's any advice that you could give someone who's yeah if anyone who may be in this position one day or someone who's looking at a potential venture based on the things you've experienced based on the things you've you've accomplished if there's any parting words that you would like to leave to that individual or those individuals i'd love to hear them I think our, our big thing really is what we talked about with the standards, you know, lowering your standards or changing your standards. You know, you can be, I don't, I don't want to say that we wish we'd done anything earlier. You know, I wish I'd quit my job earlier or anything like that. I mean, you have to be ready to do it. You have to be mentally prepared, but you know, once you do it again, you don't have to have 
you know, a million dollars saved up in order to feel confident to do it. You don't, in order to live comfortably day to day, just figure out what it is that you need in order to, to do that. And so, you know, for us, we get creative, like we trade with other vendors so that we can get our food cheap for us, or, you know, you buy in bulk or I always say, I just try to stay out of the grocery store because that's where I spend all my money. But, you know, if you change the way you live a little bit, you can live on a lot less and that will allow you to not feel like you have to work nine to five in order to make a good living. Yeah. And I would say there'll be people that, that try to talk you out of your dreams too. And you have to stick with that, what, what you, what you think you want to do, even even if it's something way out of the box, like making spoons for a living. I mean, who, who would have ever thought you could do that? And a lot of people said, what do you, you there's no way. How are you going to do that? That's just crazy. And it worked fine for me because I just said, well, I'm going to do it. And uh, I, I just stuck with it and didn't let other people negative folks anyway that wanted to talk you out of something because it wasn't the socially Except common, you know? Yeah. You just have to yeah. I do to think, and you have to find, you know, it does help to have the product that, that, that can, that's useful. Yeah. I mean, we call our stuff it's like functional a, art. Yeah. Because, justifiable luxury. We yeah. do have a very functional product. Yeah. And yeah. that really helps. Yeah. It's not just whimsical art. It's something you can use. Mm -hmm. If you're going to spend $20, $30 on a spoon, well, it's got to be good. And it's got to yeah. be functional and it's got to look good. And uh, But I do think that it helps that it's functional is the point because, you know, like we'll, we'll see a lot of our fellow vendors and, and what they're selling. And there are just some things that you can't necessarily make a living on because it's just not something someone's going to buy every week. Mm. And for us, we do have to push it and we have to hustle and we have to be on it every single Saturday for those four hours in order to make our sales. But, you know, people can, again, the justifiable luxury, they can justify buying a wooden spoon every once in a while and that can help us make our living then. And then when they get it, they figure out, what a fantastic tool it is and they want more yeah they're like why didn't i get one of these before yeah this thing i've been cooking with plastic or this cheap metal one and now you've got this nice tool and it it really helps it helps your everyday cooking needs you know and it's it's just like having the yeah and, and also tool yeah and the story for us with the fact you know a lot of people are coming to boise either as tourists or because they live here and to have the wood be from boise is huge so if you come up with a product or or whatever that you know i, I think it's important to find something that people can justify that's beautiful that's quality um, and that you feel good about making we feel good about where it comes from i'm not out there buying lumber from South America, you know, my, my spoons don't come from the Amazon or anything like that. They're coming from somebody's backyard. It was coming out anyway. It was, yeah. And from a pile of firewood. And I, I feel good about that. And I project that when I sell it and people, it just helps 
helps to sell it. They're like, oh yeah, that's that's great. You've got to be proud of your product, I think, and not just pushing something that you're not into yourself because I think people will see that. Yeah. Well, I, I, I really appreciate this and I will, I, I'm going to, I need to grab a spoon. I will grab a spoon to support because yeah. there's certain That's foods it. you can't, you can't cook without wood and spoon. Like when I make my own uh, spaghetti sauce, I'm trying to get better at my Italian cooking. You can't, you can't stir your spaghetti sauce from scratch with anything but a, with a nice wooden spoon. You got to have it. No. It's got to be like your, what your like designated spoon too. So That's yeah. right. That's my spaghetti um, spoon right there. Exactly. So again, I, I appreciate the advice. Um, uh, I appreciate the time. I Hearing just the way you talk about things, like feeling proud of something you're doing, the time you're putting into it, even things like just trading with other vendors. It's funny, like that's how things were supposed to be. That's how they were <laughs> until like, hey, let's all move to the city and just work on computers and not really provide any substance. So it's, it, it's, 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 yeah, I, I think it's, because of how things just are now, it does seem like far out. But it's like, no, that's how th- people would make things. And then you had something that other, someone else wanted and that person had something and then you worked it. We all weren't trying to go to space and take over the world. <laughs> Everyone just kind of worked and went home. So it's just been. That, you know, yeah, we got to get back to the basics and back to land and back to your neighbors and back to farming. And ours is as basic and simple as it comes. I mean, it's a it's a wooden spoon. It's yeah. probably been around forever. Right. You know, we, I went as far back as you can go to make this <laughs> tool. One of the first things probably that's ever ever been made other than Arrowhead. I, I don't know, but um, it seemed to work going the other opposite direction. Yeah. Instead of forward into yeah, that's computer a great, skills. Great point you had. Yeah. You gotta, I like, I like what you said about, yeah, we, we've got to get back to being closer to how it was a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. So Mike and Megan, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I is the website treeworksidaho.com. It is. Yep. And social media is as well. Tree works Idaho. And I hope those markets continue to go well. I have to get to, I've never been to like big sky crunchy, like no Idaho's no Montana. And I want to go to all 50 States. So I, I, oh, I've got be- to get out. Yeah, come, yeah, come visit. Get to Idaho, look up. Yeah, yeah. I got it. I got it. There's a few people I've reached out out there, but I also heard it's beautiful, which is probably why you're getting a boom of folks. <laughs> so I hope that goes well. By the way, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But again, thank you both so much for taking your time out there to do this. For everyone who listened, please take the time to just look up TreeWorks Idaho or just look at the way you're doing things, and maybe you could pull something from this to help you find the perfect balance. So on behalf of Mike and Megan and the Moonlighters Club, I'm Joel. Thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to seeing you the next time. All right. Thanks, Joel.